from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. Here we go, hour number two, the Bigger Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on this lovely Saturday morning. It's a little uh, wet and steamy outside today. If you're going to go out, uh, just be like any other Floridian, just be ready for rain. Uh, Maybe starting out uh, a little bit on the coast and then, of course, moving inland, and uh, it'll be uh, raining all over Bill George a little bit later on this afternoon while he's out. Trying to get, uh, is this Gator number two? Uh, this will, this be, will second just be my second trip on the water. Already? so uh, First, that's first a, time with, you know. This is a rarity for you. Usually during the uh, first week or so, during the first phase, uh, you come in here all haggard and worn out and look about 30 pounds lighter and a little more gray in your hair and a lot more bruises <laughs> on your body. And you look, uh, you look a little more chipper these days since you're only on hunt number two. So... <laughs> Give it a while. Season's uh, going to go all the way to, to what? Uh, November one. November, yeah, yeah. So it'll be all it'll be all good for you. So uh, anything you want to add uh, at the end here at the beginning before you uh, move on to something else? Anything else you can think of when it comes to gators? No, I'm just hoping that the alligator that uh, we're after tonight may be the aircraft carrier returned. Really. What are you thinking, seriously, when it comes to uh, length and girth on this bad boy? Well, he's big, but at least 12. At least 12. Yeah, 12-something. So you'll be pleasantly surprised if he's like uh, 13? You'll be like, yeah. dang, I, I didn't I think, think he I think the one that's there is 12. Is he I, completely aircraft, intact? Aircraft uh, carrier was probably 13, but. Uh, is he uh, is he completely intact? Do you know all of his limbs, the end of his tail, all that stuff is still there? Or you, you just don't I don't know. know. Just see the head swimming across and make an assessment. No, he's 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 been up on banks. I just I haven't been out there to. Uh, How big an area are you going to be covering tonight? How big is is this body of water? Maybe about ten acres. Really? Yeah. Is he the only big boy left in there? No. Is he like the well, king of the roost? Wh- what do you call big boy? Some the twelve footer or so. Maybe the only twelve in there. So you think he's the biggest? He's the the King I think Kong there's over one, there. There's one big one, and there's a number of tens. Really? Yeah. So it's a good little honey hole. You can go back there multiple times. And I call it the honey hole, and that is what we we tend to call spots like that. But there just so happens to be a honey stand right at the end of the road. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, that gives you a pinpoint location. Not only, not only is it a honey stand, it's a honey stand that you just walk up to. They have honey stand out on the side of the road and a little slot for you to put your money in. Well, that's an honesty little way to do it. That's all nice. In this day and age. How come, uh, did you give up on the uh, the uh, ginormous monster that uh, Michael was going after a couple of years ago that he never got back on me on that one because I thought he died? Remember, he was going to go out and get this 13-footer all by himself with one of your oh, big, massive oh, yeah. 14-odd hooks or no, something? No, I, I, I need to make sure exactly where he is. Well, he's still there. 
Well, I, if he's in Polk County, I don't mind going trying to get him. But if he's not in Polk County. He is in Polk County. The the X on the map that I saw, one in Polk County. Are you sure about that? The, I'm not saying the alligator wasn't in Polk County. The X that I got on a map, one in Polk County. So, but it was a river, right? Or stream or whatever you want or to call something. it. Or something. Swamp. I guess in Pennsylvania they call them a crick. The creek. Crick. Crick. Brook. Some some weird word. Well, there's, yeah, there's brooks. And there's it just crick. means a creek. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, good luck tonight. It's just you and another person? Just no, George, George is going to be there. You're going to drag him out there? Why are you going to make him get out there and, and get out there and get hurt? Why? We live for it. I know you do. You think he all he wants to do is ship alligator equipment all yes, day? Yes, that's, that's his thing. It's his deal. I see him all the time. <laughs> that's, his, that's his dealio. He's the inside guy. He's the inside guy. <laughs> He's the inside guy. So you, Big G, and who else? Uh, my buddy Corey and his father-in-law. So maybe Maybe um, their daughter. Five of you in the canoe. That's going to be a, quite a show. Well, 16-foot Carolina skiff. Oh, you're taking your boat? Yeah. If the engine works? Well, I I, ha- I borrowed one <laughs> from my brother. Really? It's like the the E Tech. The whole thing. I went, I went back into that last year when we went to go out. Why? Let me ask home. you real quick. Why didn't you just borrow your brother's whole boat? Why did you just take the engine off the back and put it on your boat? Because he has a fourteen foot John boat. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And to put a bunch of people in a fourteen foot skinny John boat. Now, if it was George and I. No problem, you know. I I'd go in the Ginu, but in the couple people in the John boat. Yeah, five uh, people in there is not looking, a good thing. Looking for an alligator that's roughly twelve foot, <clears throat> two feet shorter than your boat. Yeah, I, I rethink that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we turn around. Put we're not going to be going fast. I mean, it's not a big lake. We're just we're just going to be putzing around. So put a small engine on the back. Of that Carolina skiff will will be great, but uh, when you say small, what is it? Is it a two 15, horsepower kicker? Fifteen. Oh. Fifteen. That'll move that thing. Oh, it'll move it, but I don't it's know. Not with five people it, in there, it's not going to get it up, run it on plane. But I'm not running anywhere. I'm going from alligator, alligator. Looking. Oh boy! So that's going to be a long night. Long night. Idling all over the place. No, 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 Listen, I got my method. So this one is this. I'm uh, open by 5:30. First alligator. Is this side. a Johnson or Mercury? What's what do you got on the back now? Crazy Mercury, about a Mercury. Mercury. Good for you. So the E Tech took a p- on you. So E Tech. Uh, last year we had an issue, right? You know, of course we we alligator hunt. We don't do a lot of other stuff with the boat. So come about time we needed to go out. Boat wouldn't run. It it, it Had you up. been doing your prep, Mr. Bill George? Had you not been out there running it and keeping it ready and Correct. keeping the battery? Correct. Oh, yes. batteries, pro- no problem. Everything like that, but letting it sit. Wow. It's that cruddy gas. It's that cruddy gas, man. You run that ethanol mix in there. You can't let that stuff sit in there, man, without some stay ball or something in there. Got to run it thing. Got to run it, run it hard. That stuff just turns into varnish in like a week in a tap, man. It's just like stinky gas. Hmm. Well, here we are on a break. I didn't. It came quick. <laughs> All right, here we go.
Picking a fast one, you guys. Stay right there. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Hang in there. Everybody, it's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Fred Gunn, Bill George, live and in person here in the studio today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday. Of course, typical Florida weather. Just be ready to get rained on somewhere, somehow, some way. <clears throat> Not so much out if you're going to be out fishing here on the West Coast. Most of that stuff's going to move in a little bit. So uh, you're going to go out there and uh, do a little fishing out on the bay or perhaps off the uh, Gulf a little bit. That wouldn't be a bad day to do that. A little earlier in the week, of course, we were all concerned about a couple of hurricanes that were out there roaring through, and uh, luckily uh, for us, it did not do anything but produce some pretty good surf out there on uh, Sunset and uh, down south around Sarasota. It's pretty good surfing down there. My brother was extremely agitated that he had to work, so he could not uh, go do his surfing thing, but... Uh, talk to uh, cousins and relatives and everybody out in Louisiana and in Texas and everybody. I was like, so you leaving? And uh, of course, talking to dad, he was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. It'll be fine. Just be a little wind. If it gets too bad, there's a big old wood pile over here on the back part of the five acres. I'll just go hunker down behind that. I was like, okay, there you go. True. A true Louisiana boy, you do what you got to do, man. Well, I, I had people I work with cut the short, trip short to Pennsylvania because they had to come back here just in case something was going on. And I'm like, uh, you don't need to be doing that. No. And uh, I, I mean, even my I talked to uh, my cousin Chewy out there in uh, in uh, outside of New Orleans over there in Homa. And she was like, no, we're not going anywhere. We're all good. It's going to be going over there more on the east coast of Texas. They're the ones that have to worry about it for the most part, but luckily what? the loss of life was extremely low when it came to this storm, but uh, what amazed me was how many people were killed by trees. Well, what do you think they're going to get killed by? They're going to get killed by a couple of different things. Why were you out Tre- there messing no, around? No, and- they, trees falling, and the other big one is it's flooded, and you run your car off into a ditch and, and drown. Yeah, well. Th- those are your big big thing i just I, you know i was like um, uh, first is, two first two reported deaths i heard were from trees and i was like what, what? i think there was like seven i know it based was, upon trees it's crazy uh but uh the storm That's of course it. has moved Deforced on the country I, I guess it's yeah turning into a plains would be fine <laughs> it's working so well in california um and uh so luckily uh we didn't have anything uh here to worry too much about thank goodness uh there are two other One's, one's over in the Atlantic. The other one's supposed to go down through the Caribbean, so we'll have to wait and see where, where that goes. Um, hang on a second. There's always calling. Hi, Big and Wild Outdoors. Hello? Oh, you know what? He doesn't have it potted up in the out, I don't think, in the other room. 
That's okay. If you're on the phone, just stay right there where you are. Bill, watch this. Bill George is going to run over there and try to figure out the board in like 34 seconds. Let's see you do it. I want to see this. Oh, wait, no, he's going to go run and try to find Diego. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, that's good radio right there. You know, you got to go find uh, your producer and go, hey, can, can you show me which pot to, to turn up in here? And we'll do it fine. But anyway, on the uh, on the outside today, it should be uh, really nice. We don't have to worry about too much for a while, but I guess we'll find out a little bit more on Monday where the other uh, storm is going to be. Did you find him? Oh, he'll be here. So, uh, would you have to go track him down in the other hallway? Yeah, get him out and do. He's coming. Oh, that, that's it. That's all I get is he's coming. Well, yeah, you said people were cutting short. And it was so funny because when I called my uh, cousin uh, in around in Homa, she literally answered the phone by this. <clears throat> no hello, no nothing. It was this. It's just a little rain, and the wind is blowing a little bit. We're not going anywhere. That's literally how she answered the phone. So I, that told me right then and there that every other relative in the United States has already called her and said, are you guys bugging out or not? And she finally said, no, I'm not bugging out, and we're staying right here, which is what exactly where oh, There goes Bill George again. Are you going to try to work that out? Oh, this, this ought to be interesting here. We're probably going to get like 19 different channels of uh, other radio stations coming into play. Are you trying to find the phone pot? It says phone on it. You have to turn it on first. I'm, I'm listening. There's no one there. There's I'm, I'm talking. There's no one on the phone. I can't hear anything. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Whoever's on the line, I'm sure they're being extremely patient. So I don't know. You can't be sitting there uh, cussing on the radio. What are you doing? What's going on? Well, you said nobody's listening. You know, nobody's speaking, but we were. But uh, I, 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 I'm I'm sorry for that one. But I'm just being sarcastic like you are. This is uh, Richard. Hey, Richard. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got myself a crash course in board off. Hey, rather than putting the words on it, just put a little picture of a phone on it. Oh yeah, it actually says phone, but there's multiple phone buttons on the, on the board. <laughs> and plus, you have to turn the pot on as well, so you, yeah. you can't just uh, you know uh, slide it up and go. There he is. Yeah. So what's yeah. going on, Richard? Well, I just figured it's been a long time no talk. I've been kind of like you know, I've been screwing with. I had my shoulder redone, and that kind of like messed me up for a while. So I didn't feel like getting up early in the morning. No. But you know. Um, yeah, my I contacted my um, brother-in-law to find out what was happening with his relatives, and he says they're not doing anywhere anything. They're in the New Orleans area, or excuse me, Nolens. Yeah, well, they're in I, the Nolens area. Yeah, everybody, and, I, everybody I know stayed put, so it was no big deal. Although there were multiple thousands that did evac, so it's always a smart thing to well, do. I I was kind of pleased to see that it did miss that. Uh, Mississippi outlet, New Orleans, uh, you know, with that edge, it, it didn't hit as near as hard as it could have. And that where it did go along the coast, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, people right on the coast, which then caused that initial storm surge. Yeah, there's a not, lot of industrial not stuff Not to be there. as impacting as it could have been. Well, I know that um, yeah. 
you know, typical media style, you know, this is going to be unsurvivable was a word that they kept throwing out there. And I was like, what are you doing? Why would you say that to people? I mean, just creating panic of, of gigantic proportions doing saying things like that. Say, look, it's going to be a bad storm. You want to get people out of New Orleans? Here's the easiest thing you do. You don't say unsurvivable. You say Katrina-esque. If you yeah. say this is like Katrina, guaranteed uh, people that were through it are not going to mess through it through the second time. They'll be gone. Well, my brother-in-law said that after Katrina, because they had not spent the money correctly to do the levies, he's been down there a couple times, you know, since then, obviously. And he says all the all – the, um, the dikes around there and all the all the stuff that was supposed to be built correctly years ago is up there. He says it will take a huge surge to get into New Orleans anymore. Well, you got to fix the dikes. Yeah, you got you got things like the dikes. You got pumps that weren't weren't pumping where it needed to pump. We got the same thing. They're they've been working on the rim of Lake Okeechobee and trying to. To shore that up, you, you gotta rem- you gotta remember. Uh, you probably are not too familiar with Louisiana politics, but uh, you know it's not the most uh, <laughs> honest in the in the country. And you gotta remember how many of those levees were built out of trash. I mean, they were literally just trash mounds that they put dirt over and said, "Yeah, that'll work." Of course, back in the day, you know that's uh, you know they thought that would be all good and stuff. But um, I think this time uh, a lot of people took heed and. A lot of people uh, did not, but uh, it is what it is. Well, he he said the money that was supposed to be spent on the the dike a long time ago never seemed to build anything in in that area. But then again, like you said, Louisiana. But um, about three weeks ago, my brother-in-law had told me uh, he called me up and said, "Hey, so what are you doing?" I said, "Just you know, hanging around." No, you can't lift your your arm up above your shoulders and all that kind of crap. And I go, why? He says, you want to go to Louisiana? I said, why? He says, well, we might be going around to help being like the um, the neighborhood guard in in where his um, cousin has his boat. I said, really? Um, his nephew was coming back from um, they have a big fishing. Company, they they do fishing, shrimping, crabbing. They do everything. Right, it's a big commercial one. And he was coming back one morning from the um, where they have the boats, and it's kind of like a rural road going down there to the dock. Sure. And he 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 gets this red um, Ford pickup come up behind him and just tailgating the shit out of him. Oh, excuse me, just uh, tailgating too much. And um, the guy was beeping his horn, so he figured he pulled over. He had, you know, the kid has a brand new Chevy one-ton diesel four-wheel drive, you know. And this guy was just blowing his horn, so he pulled over. And when he pulled over, the guy pulled up next to him and pulled a gun on him. Then the guy took off, and he goes um, to look at the tag. Guess where the tag's from? California. And he, the guy did must not know that area very good, but his his nephew called some friends that he knew that from law enforcement that were at the restaurant up the road, 
And he called them, and when he got there, they told him to stay back. He stayed back. When he got there, uh, it was like um, at least a half dozen cars there, and the guys were out there with guns pointed at him at the at that truck. And when that truck did stop, and they they hauled him out of there, the whole the inside of the truck was all loaded up with guns, which. Within a couple of days, I found out a lot of them were stolen guns. So somebody was just coming from from California to try to cause some problems in um, Louisiana. And I asked my brother-in-law, well, did the guy make it to the, um, did he make it to the, uh, where the sheriff's office was? He goes, I don't know if he made it there or not, but they know the guns were stolen. Well, that's uh, that's one of those things. Maybe he was down there trying to make a deal with some of those crazy Cajuns down there and selling some uh, some hot merchandise. I don't know, but Richard, thanks for the call. We got to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are brought to you by Brandon Ford. Stay right there. We're going to be right back. Deep into uh, halfway through hour number two of the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for joining us in here this morning on this uh, steamy uh, beginning of a beautiful uh, rainy weekend, supposedly. It's going to be one of those uh, typical Florida days. So if you're going to be out there messing around, just know that there is a big possibility that you shall be uh, precipitated upon. I mean, literally looking at today, I think uh, scattered showers, thunderstorms. In the morning, then numerous showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. And, of course, it's going to be hot and steamy around 90 degrees, which is a good thing. But uh, it'll probably be like that feel like of like a billion uh, when it comes out of there. So it looks like um, Sunday's going to be about pretty much the same. And so is Monday. And then it starts to go a little easier on us on Tuesday. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's just welcome. Welcome to Florida. This is the time of year when you have people who actually start packing up their cars and heading back to Ohio. When they go, well, this is not as fun and as great as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so this is this is like stifling, nasty. I can't take it anymore. I'm out of here. But you, uh, you know what the worst part of being down here is? No snow for you. No. What? Archery season. Oh, we can get out and hunt. Yay! Yay! Ninety some degrees. Thousand degrees. You're trying to be scent free, and you can't <laughs> so, even get out your truck and grab your gear without sweating to death. That it. Well, I, that's why. When I was young, I could handle it. I, I just last few years. I don't know what it's going to be now, but in years past here, when I had the lease, I'd use a bow during gun season. That's it's. I enjoyed that. I'd use the pistol and the bow, and I was happy. You know, but now that I'm going to go back to uh, public land hunting, I don't know if I'm going to be hauling my bow a mile and a half back in <laughs> to go to go to my well, my spot. I I always said that the saving grace that I used to uh, was the DK Flatwoods uh, camo netting because that you could throw over a, a t-shirt. You could even take your shirt off underneath it, and you could throw the netting on, zip it up, uh, throw it over a pair of shorts. 
slide on some big high rocky boots, didn't even lace them up, just just slide them on and be ready to go. And that way, every time you had a breeze, it would be like, oh, oh, uh, you know, you get a little relief. Sure. Uh, uh, but uh, archery season, I see pictures of guys down south and they start off. I love it. They, you know, they put the black. You know the the black uh, makeup on underneath the eyes and everything, and put these like big you know graphic like tigery design looking things like they see on the guys on TV, and then by the end of the hunt, it's like like uh, a bride who's been crying for four hours. It's just smeared all the way down their neck and on the back of their hands and. But Everywhere yet, else, it's all. But yet, I'll turn around and chase a turkey all over the place. Yeah, well, that's a little different. But spring, it's he's a little easier to haul out, and than it's a cooler big deer. in the mornings, so it's not so bad during spring hunt. But uh, yeah, you're right. Archery, I see everybody's always like giggity, 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 and then they're out there going, uh. And you can tell by the quality of deer, because you can tell that once they've been out there for about five, six hours. Sitting in a pool of their own sweat, the first spike that walks by, you're dead. I'm not taking it anymore. <laughs> Killing that thing. I'm out of here. Spike must be at least ten inch main beam. Well, you know what I'm saying. They're like the first, uh, first, first mule, legal deer, first muley looking thing well, that comes walking through there is uh, going to hit the ground. I'm out of here. I'm done. Uh, I remember that was even muzzleloader season, man. There were times going down south, you go hunting the high hat and places like that. It was just it was miserable. Well, it's hot, and miserable, and nasty. Just, I, I don't know if it's getting older, like you said, but, or maybe it's that you're wiser. You know, that you're wiser, and you're like going, "Hey, you want to go out and go hog hunting?" And you don't think of, "Hey, just going and getting hogs." You're thinking of the entire process of getting yeah. hogs. What so, was the first thing when when we took B out and he shot the sure, hog? Sure. What did I have him do? Yeah, you got to learn the whole process, and you, I, yeah, I understand that. Drag him out, okay. Now you understand what that hawk is. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I'm saying. When you're young and you're with your friends and you're out there and you're just running around, it's all about getting a pig or getting a hog or getting a deer or whatever it is. You don't really think of the entire process until you're there and you go, you know, uh, hang on a second, let me get on my cell phone. And you, like, text everybody, yo, man, I got a hog down. Uh, you guys come help me drag this thing out of here. <laughs> it's like it's 98 degrees. 105 with the relative humidity, and I don't want to drag this thing out by myself. That's why I always think of the uh, hog hunting for me starts when it gets cold. You know, it used to be football season was the start where you started really thinking about, uh, you know, it's getting cooler, it's going to be nicer. I don't mind dragging a pig out when it's 40 degrees. I do mind dragging a hog out when it's 111. And I'm literally wet from the moment I, like you said, step out of the truck until the moment I stop at the truck. For a hog where it's legal, that hog probably won't get drug out. For me, it's going to be butchered right there. Just bring out the meat, couple, couple bones in the ham and the shoulder. That's it. The rest uh, of it, yeah, I can. It can stay. I, you know, I, I out hunt with Joe Ray Bigger one time, man. You know, we shot this big giant red hog, big beautiful trophy thing. Uh, by the time we got back to camp, we were carrying hams and backstraps. <laughs> but when we first started out, we were like, we're carrying this thing all the way back to the truck. You know, chopped down a little tree, tied him around there, had on a litter, you know, between our work. shoulders. That oh, yeah, work. it only works in the movies. That didn't work, so let's go ahead and, uh, you know, we gutted it and everything. We're like, dude, are you going to get this thing mounted? No. Shwink goes off the head. 
Keep going. Are you going to keep this hide or anything? I mean, you're going to make a jacket out of anything? Nope. Let's go ahead and skin it right And it was still bad. So we were like, look, let's just go ahead and... We walked in, we had back straps slung over our shoulders and a ham in each hand. You know, it was like, that's it, we're done. We're, we're good, we're out of here. Because it was, we had to go back through water, you know, it was four feet yeah. of water and everything. It was just well, like, I can float a hog. I've, I have floated a hog before. Yeah, I'm not going through all that. But it was a lot easier. Just I to, get my game to wherever the closest road is that I can get to and drive down. I will pay a ticket for driving. But if they're cutting it as a fire break, or it's a handicap road, or it's something else, and I have down game, write me the ticket. <laughs> it's worth the write effort. Write me the ticket. <laughs> it's worth the effort. $75 ticket? Not it's, a problem. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth me not dying of a heart attack or heat yeah. stroke out here in the middle of the woods. So, now yeah. I get the game to the road, so I'm not going down there parking, doing this. I get the game to the road. Get it in, get out. Walk out, grab the truck, zip in, grab it, throw it, boom, done. I don't see anything wrong with that. To be honest with you. Well, one of the good things about dove season is the fact that uh, you could probably carry about 100 of them in a backpack and it probably wouldn't weigh you no, down too much. This is the dove season. You're guaranteed to come out lighter than you went in. That is true. Because the shot that you shoot is probably heavier than the dove you The amount of back. doves you're going to bring in. You know, Steve Austin used to always say uh, his big thing was he always brings two two boxes of ammo. And people are like, really, you're going to be shooting that much? He goes, no, that way I have something to carry my doves back in. Two boxes. Two boxes. Put one bird in each one and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> carry it back. Uh, but anyway, dove season, believe it or not, is uh, rapidly approaching. It's coming up uh, next month on the 26th of September, going all the way through October 18th, uh, That in the first phase anyway. And then the second one is on November 14th through December 6th. And then December 19th through January 31st. I always look forward to dove season. It always is a good lead in for when I'm getting ready for, you know, for hunting season and all that kind of good stuff when you come around September. And uh, I'm, I'm not much of a duck hunter. I've gone a couple of times with people who knew what they were doing. I am, I don't, I'm not that guy. I'll be honest with you. I'm not the I, guy who can go, hey, look, there's a McGanser. Oh, look at that. There's a wood ducks. Oh, look at that. Now, other ones like mallards and, uh, the uh, the black ducks and things like that, I know what they look like because I've seen them up close and seen them I, come in and land and all that kind of I stuff. I cannot tell a duck hardly flying in the air. That's just, I'm one, somebody's got to be there that tells that's, me whether or not it's good to shoot or that's not. That's me good too. To and also keep track of what you can and cannot keep and all but that yes, kind of stuff. Yes, this one's that, worth that many points and that. It, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because remember, you got two of those. You can only have one of those, and you're like, "Well, is that one of these, or is that them, or is that something different?" Can I shoot that? One? I mean, by the time you even go through all that discussion, they're already gone. But yeah. uh, there's been times in which something's gotten shot, and we're bringing it back and trying to send pictures to somebody else to try and figure out what it is. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not good. Uh, September nineteenth through the twenty third, so it actually gets here faster than uh, the morning dove, of course. Uh, that's the duck season. That's teal and wood ducks only. That's the early. That's the very early one that goes out there. But the thing, that's one of the ones that everybody likes to get out there to because according to their website and big, big letters right there, it says three times the daily bag limit. No, 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 no. That may be the possession limit. Yes. Three times the the uh, the daily bag limit. 
So you can carry everybody else's ducks in there in your backpack and not be in trouble for it? But this, you better find some legal shooters for them ducks. <laughs> you're, you're talking about federal laws. Not, that's not, that's the thing. I mean, uh, well, even doves are considered migratory. Yeah. and uh, Don't show up without your gun plugged. For the heaven's sakes, don't. Don't show up with your so. gun unplugged. Uh, Easiest solution is what? Put three rounds in it, see if you can put another one in it. That's the easiest way. Hit a double barrel shotgun. Well, then, or <laughs> you can't under. put a third one anywhere. Yeah, that's funny, but uh, if you got to go, I mean, this is what we're saying. It's almost getting to be like fishing. You know, during the teal and wood duck only, six of which can only be two wood ducks, teal only six, general duck six, including no more than two mallards, which one of them can be female, four scooters, three elders, Four long-tailed ducks, three wood ducks, two redheads, two black ducks, two canvasbacks, one pintail, one molted duck, Florida duck, and one flurvis whistling duck, one scop from November 21st to 29th and December 12th through the January 11th, two scop from January 12th to the 31st. All other species of ducks may be taken with a six-duck bag of it. That's why we go with somebody who knows. Yeah. Fast break, you guys. Stay right there. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. Picking Wild Outdoors, Brayden Gunn and uh, Bill George, uh, that guy Jonathan that we love so much, he's out hanging out with his pop today. They're doing something, I don't know. Uh, after, I guess they're probably playing on all the new toys that they got out at the auction. <laughs> probably out running, putting their Kubotas through the paces or something, I don't know. But wow. uh, he's out there today uh, messing around. But before the break, we were talking a little bit about about uh, duck season and dove season that's coming up here. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to make mention because it was asked of me, I have never had to experience this uh, situation. Uh, but a lot of people were asking about the, um, how should I put this bluntly? baiting or what you can do when it comes to field preparation or anything else like that when it comes to the regulations of the FWC. And uh, if you go to their website, if you just type in uh, Dove, uh, you can go. There's many, many links and things like that that give you the kind of the rundown on what you can actually do. And um, they actually even help you do it the honest way or the legal way. Uh, give you the right information on how to do it if you're going to do it where, uh, you know, you're not showing up out there at Uncle Earl's place and you go, 
what's all that yellow stuff out in the middle of the field out there? And he goes, don't you worry about it. Just shoot them when they get here. Well, you know, you kind of got to have to worry about stuff like that. When you have something like that happen, and there's a lot of people who have gone to a field and you walk up, you don't know it's baited. You, you, you don't walk the entire field. You don't, you're going to station number 12. Because that's where you were told to go. You have no clue what Or they happened. dropped you off right yeah. here. Yeah, here. Yeah, right here. Yes, right here. Yeah. And so you, but when they, when the lawman comes, he don't care. He don't care if you're knowledgeable or not. You're hunting a baited field. Uh, well, on the, on the bright side of, of that gloom and doom scenario is the fact that uh, there's a little gray kind of area there where they kind of make, the statement that you know you have to make a reasonable effort not to knowingly be at a baited field. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe that came from years of uh, guys like what you just mentioned that were saying like, "Hey, man, I I, I just got here. I did not know." Um, it says right here, but this is what you cannot do when it's duck or dove season. Uh, by the aid of baiting or on any baited area where a person knows or reasonably should know that the area is or has been baited. So what does that say? That means if you showed up there and you're like, man, I didn't know. I paid the guy uh, $35 and he let me put me right here and he shot. I'm, I'm the dozer everywhere. I didn't know he baited the thing. That right there, I don't know. You, you're probably going to have to end up in front of a judge anyway, but uh at least it says right here that a person knows or reasonably should know that the area is or has been baited. But the the other issue with that is there isn't a set distance. Like if you turn around and you're wanting to hunt turkeys in the state of Florida, you could not turn around and be within 100 yards of a bait station. That is true. 100 yards. There's a set distance. What With the migratory boards... There isn't a set distance. So you could turn around and have, you know, 400 yards away a pile of corn in the middle of a field, and you're out there on the perimeter getting them on the, the trees as they're coming out of the trees or along that. You're still on a baited field. It, you're 400 yards, but you're still on a baited field. And so it gets a little tricky when you don't – when you it's not your land. You didn't prep it. You didn't do it. If, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of got to know where you're going. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been out with uh, guides before, and I've always been that way. You know, growing up as a young kid, small kid out in Texas, we were, you know, you taught, learned from an early age, you do not cross a fence because, you know, a guy could shoot you. <laughs> and uh, so you're out there, and uh, all of a sudden they come up on a fence, and the guy goes, we're going to cut through here, and you're going, uh... Is this still the same piece of property? I mean, are we allowed to cut? I mean, you got to ask those questions. Uh, a guy I know, you know, was following a guide, and instead of going around the corner of the field, you know, walking another 300 yards that way and another 300 yards that way, they just decided to, you know, he, he said, just come on here. We'll just cut through the fence, and we'll catty corner and get to where we're going. And as soon as they got to where they were going, boop, this bush popped up behind him and goes, Hey, boys, fishing game, go ahead and lay them shotguns down right there. And they're like, oh, you know, I mean, he popped out of nowhere and, uh, you know, gave the old, uh, you know, going to write you a citation for uh, crossing a piece of property out here while you're turkey hunting. And, of course, in the, well, we weren't hunting turkeys. We were moving point. You got a gun in your hand? You're in camos? 
you got turkey calls in your pocket, you're turkey hunting. <laughs> I mean, that's all. Just because you're going that's for armed trespass. It's it's yes. It doesn't matter if you're turkey hunting, not turkey hunting. That's armed trespass. Exactly, and it was just like ah, uh, you know, we're going to shave uh, you know five minutes off of our walk by cutting across this way, and then next thing you know, it's uh, it's a bad day for everybody. But that's by following somebody that you trusted to get you to wherever it is your destination was to do it. So you can do the same thing if you're going to go out on a brother-in-law or invited out on somebody, a friend of some of a friend of a friend and go out on a dove field, you need to ask the proper questions because people get popped every single year. And trust me, they have, they have ways of knowing with airplanes and everything else, they can spot that stuff in a field. Listen, I have heard that the FWC has places, let's say, around Clearwater at the top of a building where they sit there and can watch with binoculars for a very long way and even have drones they send out just, just for observation. Yeah. I mean, and if they, they see, take a quicker look. If you, they you, see golden nuggets all over the place, uh, they probably well, know that. Well, in that case, uh, you may be keeping stuff that's a little short, and somebody may say something, you know, fillet and release, you know. they. They're out there. They're looking. They're trying hard to to protect the resource. Well, now uh, let me give you this one right here. This is if you go to the the uh, Dove section of the web of the FWC's website, it gives you a lot of great information on what you can plant. They even give you suggestions on plants that you should use and all that kind of stuff and everything else if you're planting a Dove field. So it basically gets down to brass tacks right here. It says so. What is legal in Florida? Well, here in Florida, as long as the grain was grown in the field and there is a direct result of mowing, shedding, disking, slippage, chopping, or burning, it is perfectly legal to hunt over it. Fields can be planted at any seed rate, and uh, mature, uh, being mature is time to coincide with established dove seasons. So even if you grow it and you know it's going to be seeded and dropping, However, once the grain leaves the field, even if it's grown there, can never be brought back in or the field is considered a baited area for 10 days following the complete removal of such items as salt, grain, or other feed. So I guess it has to be barren for at least 10 days before the beginning or of the season. Or they've eaten it all and right. it's all been eaten and then 10 days later you can... Right. Hunt. The take-home message, be certain when planting dove fields that any seed planted is germinated or completely disked in prior to 10 days before any hunt. So that basically is saying that if they go out there and there's an ungerminated seed still left there and it hasn't been turned under, that I guess that could still be considered paint. Yeah. That's what it's saying. And finally, if a landowner, manager, or hunter is unsure of whether or not the field has been considered baited, they would urge you, of course, to call the regional office and have a officer inspect the dove field before hunting it. And remember, it, it is the hunter that is responsible for determining whether or not a field is baited. So if you're unsure of it, call an officer and go, hey, we're getting ready to hunt this field out here. Can you uh, do a little walkie-walk out here and make sure that we're all good? And now... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm, I'm sure that that's probably up to their discretion. If they find one ungerminated seed, they may like go, oh, you, know, you know, it's no big deal. But, you know, if they're going out there and there's golden waves of, uh, you know, pop, you know, corn and everything else out there, they're going to be like, no, you might want to give this about 10 more days or so before you decide to do anything over it. Does that make sense to you or did I go It makes sense, but this, this, you know, it's it's one of those areas where the neighbor could be turning around and, and doing stuff on their property and legally you can't go over there and do inspect it and you're within what they consider reasonable proximity and you should have known by the number of doves that something wasn't right mm, i'll go to court over that one i'll be all right <laughs> I, the, I tell you one of the one of the worst end of a dove hunt days i ever had was we had a, a little dove field down in manatee and we cleaned up on doves i think i told you this one and every dove that we cleaned was comp- the crawl was completely filled with cracked corn and bird seed. They were eating somewhere. Well, all the retirement communities out there, they're out there feeding uh, the doves and all their bird feeders. I said, here we are cleaning these doves. If an FWC officer walks up here and we got all this stuff on the ground that we're taking out of these birds. That they call residue. They're going to be going, where did you shoot these birds in this field? We ain't going anywhere because he's going to be out there on his hands and knees looking for stuff on the ground. Oh, yeah. we were, It was a... Uh, Clean them up. Let's get out of here. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Hour number three is just around the corner, so stay right there. If you want to give us a call, 888-404-1010, 888-404-1010. We'll be back. We'll be back.